This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon and welcome to the Daily Digest on The Bigger Picture. I'm Judith Jacobs and with me are Hezrul Ashraf and Dashran Johan. So we've got a story for you today about, well, the heat actually. So a study by Think City on land temperature showed that five cities in Malaysia recorded higher temperatures of between 1.64 degrees Celsius and 6.75 degrees Celsius over the last few decades. And this is due to development and changing urban trends. So on today's show, we're going to explore not only the findings of this new study, which was done to kind of get a snapshot of what some of our cities are undergoing, but to also discuss solutions to battle the effects of climate change and global warming. Yep, and on that note, we're asking you on our Twitter poll if you feel like the city you're living in is getting hotter and your options are uh, uh, definitely, not really, uh, or I can't tell. You can uh, share your thoughts by tweeting us at BFM Radio as well. You can also send us a message at WhatsApp uh, 018-789-8899. That's right. So scientists have long known that cities tend to be warmer than their surroundings. Uh, in the US, it's said to be um, by about 5.5 degrees Celsius on average. Mm. And the urban heat island effect, as it's known, is produced by the abundance of heat-trapping asphalt and concrete, small and heat coming off buildings and vehicles. And some other research has even shown that temperatures on a scorching summer day in the US can vary as much as 11 degrees Celsius across different parts of the same city, with poor or minority neighbourhoods often bearing the brunt of the heat. Wow. Yeah, and scientists have said that this, you know, what you called urban heat island mm. effect, uh, which can raise temperatures in cities by several degrees compared with their surroundings, that could be a risk to human health as growing urban populations exacerbate the heating effects of climate change, right? I mean, well, you know, it's like this horrible um, circular effect, right? Yeah, it's a vicious yeah. cycle of things. And on average, globally, urban heat island warming will probably be equivalent to about half the warming caused by climate change mm. by the year 2050. So so think of it this way. In a city that experiences two degrees of warming from climate change, for instance, that would mean that that's going to be an added degree of warming for them. Mm. So buildings and paved surfaces like major roadways, um, uncovered parking lots and industrial zones, they amplified heat while you know things like large parks and other green spaces, these cool down the surrounding areas. And that's a simple reason why you know it feels cooler, you know, like when we go in the countryside, <laughs> for example, right. or anywhere with less yeah. buildings and more trees. Yeah, and there, you know, there are other consequences beyond this, right? Uh, in an article in Scientific American, um, they've quoted a 2017 paper from uh, the magazine called Nature, uh, which evaluated the economic risks of climate change in large cities around the world. So basically what they found is that local warming uh, caused by the urban heat island effect quote-unquote, uh, significantly increases temperatures as well as economic losses in addition to global warming. Now, the study also estimated that the added effects of urban heat island warming could double the economic losses expected from human-caused climate change. Gosh. Yeah, right. It's like, who'd, who'd, who'd yeah. think that? Mm. Um, and other studies have shown that urban heat islands don't pose the same risks all over the world, but they may be a big concern in some regions. Region. So if we zoom in uh, to cities and temperate and tropical parts of the global south, like uh, parts of Latin America, Africa, as well as South Asia, where absolute temperatures tend to be higher and where many nations have smaller economies and more difficulties adapting to the warming climate. 
Yeah, and here in Malaysia, Think City, a social purpose organization with a, with the mission of making cities more people friendly, mm. resilient, and livable, um, they recently released the findings of a land temperature study which they conducted. So that study revealed marked. Um, increases in the peak land surface temperature of five of our Malaysian cities over several decades. So the study observed land surface temperatures in the Kuala Lumpur city centre, Bayan Lepas, Georgetown, Johor Bahru and Ipoh. And in a press release, they said that while comparisons of temperature within its each city were carried out across different time frames um, and each terrain held unique geographical characteristics that influenced the temperature, the analytics team observed a consistent increase across all five locations. Mm, that's right. And the rise in temperature in urban areas has been linked primarily to you guessed it, the urban heat island effect um, and the lack of greenery and, of course, global warming as well. So to find out more about the study and its findings, we have joining us on the line now Dr. Celia Leong, who is a geospatial um, analyst from Think City, and she was also involved in this study. Welcome, Celia. Thanks so much for joining us today. So for starters, you know, why were these cities in particular? So Kuala Lumpur City Centre, Bayan Lepas, Georgetown, Johor Bahru and Ipoh, why were they chosen for this study? These are the major cities with high population and they have been experiencing um, changes over the years. So it's important to get a snapshot of what these cities are undergoing you know, over the decades. And just looking at uh, the results of the study, in terms of temperature rise, what were the findings for each one of these city, uh, cities, cities? So um, overall, we have seen a consistent increase in temperature across all five cities, which is, you know, very interesting. And um, we also looked at the difference in the increase of uh, in each of the cities. So the highest we have seen uh, is Ipoh, which is about, you know, 6.75 degrees, and then followed by Johor Bahru, and that's about 6.7 degrees as well. And Georgetown, it's around 6.37. So all these three cities are around the range of 6 degrees. And Bayan Lepas, uh, slightly lower, uh, 5.63 degrees. And then KL City Center, it's, you know, um, increased nevertheless, but much lower at uh, 1.64 degrees. This is what we're seeing. Okay, and based on your findings, can you explain what the rise of temperatures in these urban areas were primarily linked to? So what we can understand looking at um, these cities is that um, the urban areas is that there are three factors that come into place. So first is this uh, due to urban heat island effect, and then there is a lack of greenery and then global warming. So the rise in land surface temperature is mostly due to uh, increase of built up area, means it's an increase of uh, buildings, you know, um, and this increases urban heat island effect. And it is the intensity of development that we are seeing in city areas. So urban heat island effect, it's an urban area or metropolitan area uh, that is warmer than you know the surrounding area, rural area around it. So the city, uh, city area are having higher temperature. So this is you. This is when you see an urban uh, heat island effect, and this happens when we replace our green, you know, natural landscape with materials that absorb and retain heat. And you can see them widely used in um, buildings and pavements and roads such as concrete and upsell. So. This urban island heat effect uh, phenomenon is, in, uh, is responsible for increasing uh, urban areas temperature by 2 degrees to 8 degrees or higher 
than you know, our rural area. So however, when you see that even the green area in the, in the city center or urban area temperature also increases, this is when you see a combined effect of an urban heat island and global warming. So that goes to say, you know, like how these you know, three factors are coming into play. Okay, and I understand that satellite imagery was used for this study. Can you share how exactly? Um, yes, uh, this is a more technical part of our work. <laughs> yeah, yep. I'll, I'll use a very simple uh, terms to explain this. So we use remote sensing technology, uh, which is uh, satellite imagery, to map the extent of uh, urban heat island effect in Malaysian cities. So we also know that um, the surface of the earth radiates thermal energy. Mm -hmm. And this thermal energy is part of the thermal infrared, it's a bit technical, yeah, in the electromagnetic uh, spectrum. We can't see it, it's invisible uh, to the eye. But the satellite uh, satellites actually pick this up. So the energy that is radiated by the surface of the Earth is proportionate to temperature. Therefore, we can calculate temperature uh, from these satellite images. Um, unlike weather patterns, we uh, climate change patterns requires observation of a long time period. We'll go as early as possible, a date or a year, uh, to find a quality satellite imagery available in order to see a difference in temperature. So we use the open source, you know, uh, provided by United States Geological Survey, and then we feed into our, you know, geographical information system model that will process and, you know, uh, combine all these uh, different parameters of surface energy. So that's how we produce um, this satellite imagery. Of course, there are some limitations. I, I feel uh, important to state this um, because um, all studies come with limitations. So it's only responsible to, to share this. So some of the challenges that we face, uh, while it's very nice to use satellite images, is that um, it's constantly prone to uh, atmospheric disturbance. For example, you see clouds and haze, you know. This is something that we cannot control. So we'll look for the you know, clearest and the most uh, 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 the availability of the clearest possible data to have a reliable analysis. So you might see different timeframes in our, I think, in our maps here. I think some of you may have that question. Uh, another challenge to have sufficient data points. So you need to have many data points to get uh, you know, a, a, a average observation and increase of over time. Um, however, what we are doing here is a snapshot of a few cities, but that doesn't change the impact of uh, the, the fact that impact of greenery on temperature doesn't change, and the overall signs of uh, increased temperature and heat island remains intact. So, what is important here is to you know visualize and communicate effectively to the public. Okay, all right. And we've just got to take a quick break uh, for a word from our sponsors now, but don't go anywhere. When we come back, Dr. Celia will fill us in on why the findings for Kale City Centre came as a surprise. Keep it right here on the Daily Digest on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to the Daily Digest on The Bigger Picture. I'm Julia Jacobs, joined by Dashran Johan and Hezrel Ashraf. So today we're exploring the findings of a land temperature study that was conducted by Think City, which is a social purpose organisation with the mission of making cities more people-friendly, resilient and livable. So the study found that five cities in Malaysia recorded higher temperatures of between 1.64 degrees Celsius and 6.75 degrees Celsius over the last few decades. And this, of course, was due to development and changing urban trends. That's right, and 
And we're asking you on our Twitter poll if you personally feel like the city you're living in is getting hotter. Your options are definitely not really, and I can't tell. You can also tweet us at BFM Radio and WhatsApp us at 018-789-8899. Now, we've got Dr. Celia Long in the meantime, though, joining us on the line today. Uh, she's a geospatial analyst from Think City, and she was directly involved uh, in the study. And thanks again for being with us on the show uh, today, Celia. Now, just getting back to the results of the study, why is there such a big gap in the peak temperature increase between KL City Center and the rest of the cities conducted in the study, despite it being the most um, intensely developed and populated city among them? So, I mean, you're rightly to point out there is a big gap and, uh, you know, KL City Center is intensely uh, developed and so forth. Um, this is an unexpected result, you know, from our analysis. We're expecting uh, increase actually uh, in, in all of them, especially KL City Center. Um, however, when we go down to um, a deeper level to examine exactly what, uh, you know, uh, is responsible for just 1.64 degrees increase is that we compare to other Malaysian cities that the Cal City Center is able to demonstrate with um, efficiency of urban greening as a coolant. You know, you, they have some domestic parks and there is um, some gardens and woodlands, you know. We see there is a Cal uh, Forest Echo Park, there's a botanical garden and few green areas in, in you know, throughout the city center. And this is this helped explain why it has a relatively small increase in the temperature. But however, this doesn't reflect the temperature change of Greater Cal because we are also thinking what's happening in a Greater Cal. Of course, that's a much bigger area. It's very huge. And um, that analysis will you know, review another level of a temperature increase. So we also know that urban development has expanded outside of the Cal City Center. So this is uh, an, uh, our observation for just KL City Centre itself. Okay, Celia, just looking at the results from EPO, what exactly contributed to the dramatic rise of temperature there? We read terms like ecological change and urban trends. Uh, these were terms that were mentioned in the study, but what do those terms mean exactly? The urban trends refer to level of urbanisation the extent of development that we see in an urban area. So that's, a, that's what you see as uh, urban trends. You know? That's what we are seeing also in Ipoh. Um, the other term here, ecological change, refers to the change in ecosystem where human beings coexist with animals, the plants, and the environment. So this is quite important because human beings' survival and well-being uh, depends on a healthy functioning ecosystem. So, for example, like... Uh, food production, pollinators and pest control, air, water quality and so forth are all regulated within a healthy ecosystem. So if, uh, for example, if the temperature increase and some of the species for, like uh, vegetation or animal uh, will lose their habitat in Malaysia, we are not only losing these species, but the ecosystem services that they provide, which are often you know, invaluable. Yeah, definitely agree with you on that. And just how much of a rise in temperature is considered unsustainable and dangerous? This is a very, very important question. I mean, you're going to think about how much we can tolerate before it's too much for our body. So there are two important points here. First is the rise in temperature combined with uh, humidity. So rise in temperature and high humidity can lead to heat stress. And this is very stressful for our health. 
I'm going to share on um, one work published by Princeton University on nature's geoscience on human on how our human body will react to this. So our human have the ability to regulate the body heat, and this is you know dependent on temperature and humidity surrounding us. So we have a core temperature is about like 37 degrees and our skin is cooler, you know, to allow heat to you know, flow away from our inner body. So, however, when you're having a wet bulb uh, temperature, that means you have uh, is a measure of uh, air temperature humidity that pass 35 degrees. Um, the high skin temperature means that you can't, um, you're unable to cool yourself. And this has uh, potentially deadly, uh, deadly consequences. It means that um, if it's too humid, our bodies can't cool off by evaporating sweat. That's why humidity is important when we consider livability in a hot place. And this is, for example, in Malaysia. Sweating is a mechanism that mammals, not only us, you know, have to reduce our internal temperature. But if humidity is high, your body cannot sweat because, you know, the difference between outside and inside is not that much. There's lack of difference and you can't regulate your temperature. So then that will lead to potentially like to death by heat stroke. Right, and on that, you know, we've seen that happening in other countries, right? I mean, people dying from heat stroke, especially during the summer months, for instance. Oh yeah, you can, um, you can suffer from the combined effect from, you know, rising temperature and really humid. So yeah. you're unable to cool off and that's, you know, it's, it's also like you, you will keep drinking water, mm. but even then that's difficult to, to help as well. I mean, um, so, you know, theoretically, no human can tolerate a wet bulb temperature above 35 degrees, no matter how much water they have to drink. So this is actually going to be um, very, very tough for us. Right. And going back to the study's results, Celia, what are the activities that contributed the most to the rise of temperature that was observed? It is the built-up area, your uh, level of intensity of development in any area. Um, the fact that you're replacing the natural landscape with um, materials that absorb heats mm. and retain it. And these are all the built-up areas that you see in buildings, in roads, um, in, in all areas. So these are the main um, activities that we're talking about. And you alluded to this earlier, that the study showed that areas with more greenery, such as parks, gardens, woodlands, you know, those have relatively low temperatures compared to areas which are more industrialised and populated. So how exactly, I mean, for those who don't uh, are not familiar, how exactly does urban greening help in lowering temperatures? Uh, yes, in fact, um, uh, this uh, method of urban greening uh, has been uh, stated by the, you know, the, the United Nations published this uh, Urban Climate Change Research Network uh, report in 2018. And it says that you know, the best way to reduce heat in our city is through um, nature-based solution that is, nature means uh, replanting our trees. So it shows that you know, such solution can cool down a city uh, from two to eight degrees. You imagine so that's what we are seeing in in Kuala Lumpur as well. So when you have um, greening and trees, they will give sh shade and even enhance wind flow to stop the temperature from rising. I th I think this um, you know combination of a few uh, uh, flow wind and also shading and greening actually helps a lot. Yeah, I think even when we're walking on the road, for example, you know, when we're surrounded by buildings, the heat is really, really intense. But the moment you step under a tree, um, it's just so much cooler immediately. 
Yes, definitely. And in fact, uh, my colleagues and I were very curious and we took a thermal infrared camera to just, you know, take a snapshots of streets and you can see there's a huge difference between a road and a tree next to it, like just really next to it. Yeah. And we see a difference of like 10 degrees, you know. Wow. Um, the outside road, yeah, it's like scorching when you walk and the moment you just step to your left of it and you have a tree shape and that's when temperature plunge. And you can imagine the, the, the you know, um, that's like, a, we, we had that in part of our research to take segments of roads in cross sections. The huge difference. Mm, yeah, that's an incredible uh, difference there. Um, on, on a separate note, though, you know, are there any government policies in place on urban greening? And do you know, uh, and do you think it's important to make it mandatory for future urban developments to incorporate and fulfill a certain standard of uh, urban greening? Um, they are. In fact, uh, we are uh, working with the uh, Jabatan Landscape Nagara uh, to develop uh, a climate resilient tree species you know, study for Malaysia. We, we talk about urban greening and so forth, but it's uh, very important to um, be supported by technical and scientific uh, data and expertise. You know? It is not about just planting trees, it's about planting the right species in the right location. We know that uh, it can reduce temperature, but planting trees needs a correct approach. Um, there are many examples out there where tree plantings initiative that had uh, disastrous consequences because of the wrong species and location. So um, this is, uh, it has to be driven by a scientific approach. Yeah. All right. Um, the study suggests that industrial development is one of the main contributing factors in the rise of temperatures in a lot of the cities, right? So what needs to be done to ensure industrial activities continue to be carried out without taking a toll on the environment and our well-being? Well, actually, we see some areas is because of industrial development. But in general, it's, um, I think as I explained before, it's uh, the fact that we just replace you know, green with um, built-up area, and that alone has, you know, increased temperature. So it can be industrial, it can be urban development, it can be, uh, you know, transportation with road networks development, it can be any of this form, and they all contribute to increased uh, temperature. So I think what is important is, you know, uh, what kind of materials are we going to use in our development? Will it be, for example, on the road, you know, we see like concrete pavements and all that, they have to also be, even making those uh, pavements, they can be like a, a porous, where it's like the city is like a sponge that allows like, uh, you know, uh, rains and, and all to, to, to flow off. Um, and also like a greening, are you going to combine with a certain ratio of green with a development? Or is just going to be very little trees and but not that many and just, you know, purely uh, uh, buildings all around you. So I think that a balance is very, very important. Yep, definitely. And what are your recommendations to prevent the further rise of temperatures? You know, is there a specific level of temperature, uh, I guess, that we should be striving for? I think uh, that it's important to have uh, uh, climate adaptation uh, programs and that all cities need to de start develop this, you know, to pre prevent a further rise of temperature. The longer uh, we take a seat back from this, uh, it's going to like just, you know, go on. Um, we are already feeling the climate change impact. We have to, you know, take really, so I was saying like we have to take bold action because we have, we need urgent, urgent action. And this is not only for one or two areas, but really for the entire country and all the cities to do it. 
And uh, a specific level of temperature would be difficult to say, uh, but definitely I would say the balance in development is, is important. And that's where you will see cooling um, in, in these areas. Otherwise, the I would say consequence on our health now well-being will be um, disastrous. Yeah, for sure. Um, now, I'm, I'm just curious, the f- five cities were studied for this with such interesting results already. And, uh, you know, will more cities be included in the study in the future? And if so, which cities, are, which cities are you hoping to include? Yes, uh, we will include more cities. Definitely, we, we want to do more. Uh, we start with five, uh, which is the uh, what we are doing now. Uh, for example, we are looking at, uh, we're discussing before the Cal City Center, uh, another level to go, uh, it's Greater Cal, which is a big area. Mm. Um, we're also looking at, um, we're talking about major cities. What about secondary cities? So we're looking at secondary cities in Johor as well. All right, Celia, before we let you go, do you have a final message you'd like to leave us with? Um, I'm really happy and honoured to be invited here to discuss this because I think it's very important as raising awareness as part of our climate change you know, response, what we can we do. So this is the first thing um, is to you know, start the conversation going on, on what we can do and uh, then take the action. And uh, Think City is definitely open to collaboration from all parts of society because it's not only one or two uh, stakeholders, but in fact, it's everyone, you know, to gain the momentum of, um, you know, battling uh, climate change. So um, I'm looking forward to that. And, you know, our doors are always open. Well, Celia, thanks so much uh, for joining us today. And we hope uh, we look forward to seeing where those conversations head into the future. And that was Dr. Celia Leong, a spatial analyst from ThinkCity, explaining the findings from a recent land temperature survey conducted by ThinkCity. And uh, also she shared some recommendations to, well, um, practically keep the heat at bay, right? And, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we've been asking you on, on Twitter, um, you know, if you feel like the city you're living in is getting hotter. Um, and while the, the, the results are, are pretty much... Um, uh, you know, sure that 83.2% of you saying that definitely it has increased, uh, 9.3% say not really, and 7.4% uh, have said I can't tell. And, you know, it's just very telling of the, I mean, it's just yeah. so hot. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just, I'm sorry. I mean, I'm looking outside right now and I'm just, yeah. I'm just feeling so hot already. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, what I found really interesting from what Celia was talking about was that, um, you know, she was surprised by the results of KL, right? Because mm. it wasn't as bad as they thought. Exactly. And because of the green lungs in the city, you mm. know, um, you know, all the more reason that we really need to preserve it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, just look at like Tamarimba Kiara here, yes. which we're fighting so hard to keep, right? And this is exactly what residents are saying. We need this green lung. We need our cities mm-hmm. to be livable. You can't just keep, you know, clearing every single green space we have for another yeah. condo, another development project. I, exactly. Yeah. And we've seen so many, you know, degazettment um, issues and all that. And, and it's already frustrating to begin with, right? But when you have these sort of studies to put things into perspective, it really shows mm-hmm. you, you know, why we so desperately need to uh, protect yeah. all these community uh, forests and whatnot yeah and you know it's not it's not just like green lungs right i mean I, sometimes i just go through um resident uh through different neighborhoods and i'm just mm-hmm. i wonder to myself you know like wow why, why don't why aren't there more trees yeah you know in, in in our neighborhoods um you know along walkways it's just you know those things as well those small things i think also make a difference 
Yeah, yeah I, I think uh, it was clear for me, you know, like what Celia said, like, you know, under a tree, it is not so hot. Mm. Um, we, you know, me and some colleagues, we went walking in the evenings, mm. right? And this was at the peak of the heat, yeah. uh, the, the heat wave. And it was amazing. We were walking from around Tamantun here and then going to, to Bukit Kiara where mm. there's some, there's a lot of greenery, mm-hmm. right? The marked difference between just walking on the asphalt and yeah. then when we hit the trees with the, the cover of yeah. the trees, right? It was like you could feel the difference mm. in temperature immediately. And, and for for me, it's like it affects it affects me. The heat affects me because I feel like it's like when I do when I do go out, it's like I either I either want to not go out when it's hot or if I am going out. Um, outdoors when it's hot, I feel like I just need to be in gym clothes because I know <laughs> yeah. I yeah. know I'm going to sweat. Yes, yeah. you know, yeah. and it's like it's it's one way or the other, and like there's no in between mm-hmm. for me personally. Yeah, definitely. And you know the, what we mentioned earlier about you know how some of the poorest communities, and this is in the US, mm-hmm. right? They are the ones that are affected the worst because yeah, they can't afford yeah. um, air conditioning, for mm. example. You know, we we are blessed sitting in our air conditioned office, yeah. which yeah. Um, you know, so we don't even feel the heat outside sometimes, right? We mm-hmm. just need to run to our car, for example, before we get home to yeah. air conditioned rooms again. And it's ironic because like like uh, those of us. Just, just generally speaking, right? People who have ACs, like when you go to like certain uh, uh, condos or houses, it's like you you pass the AC box outside, and it is literally blowing hot air on the outside, right? Yeah. And that's the effect it has yes. yeah. on on the environment. While we we do enjoy the AC inside, mm-hmm. and 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 you and the thing is, right? We we are so used to the air condition that we don't think about the effects, and mm-hmm. we also it's it's not easy for us to. I think a lot of the reason why a lot of us don't talk about it mm-hmm. or like these issues are not as widespread you know among the masses and all because most of us are in air condition and we don't know actually what's going on outside if you're spending like <laughs> yeah, nine, yeah, nine sure. <laughs> hours in the office and then yeah, like you yeah. know only one hour we get into the car then we go home yeah. and it's air conditioned again so i think a lot of us don't realize like how really hot it's getting outside and that's ironic isn't it yeah and yeah. We, we just keep dropping like, the temperature yeah. on our air con <laughs> And, yeah. and that's funny, right? Because the more you use your air conditioning, the more resources you're using yes. right, to power that, right? Yeah. You know, fossil fuel burn is just a, a vicious fish. cycle. <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like, what if we all stopped at the same time yeah. kind of thing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, yeah. And the simplest thing again the simplest solution mm. is to make sure that we well as she said plant the right trees in the yeah. right place yes. uh, and that's important it's very important I mean we just did an interview on Earth Matters about that you know about how um, you, if you plant the wrong trees actually um, mm. it could lead to more catastrophic um, mm-hmm. effects but the fact is you know what we have we should preserve mm. I think that's also a takeaway from that but um, you know if, if you have any thoughts or you'd like to, to share those with us you can continue to tweet us at BFM Radio or you can send us a WhatsApp message message at 018-789-8899. The other option is, of course, to look us up on Facebook. Just search for BFM The Bigger Picture. You can drop us a message there. Give us a little like as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's all we have for today. If you miss any part of the discussion, you can download the podcast at bfm.my slash daily digest. We're on the BFM app, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and the like. Um, but don't go anywhere. Coming up at 3pm on Live and Learn, Dash will be speaking to a lawyer who actually got his client acquitted, am I correct, on drug trafficking charges. Yes. In wow. Singapore, no less. Wow. And, you know, yeah. and and why I'm so I'm pretty excited to talk to these lawyers because I think a lot of us sort of know that Singapore is widely known to be this, you know, draconian, you know, very headstrong kind of country, mm-hmm. especially, you know, they are they are very pro death penalty. They are as they are they come down hard on you when it comes to drug trafficking yeah. and stuff, no negotiation sort of approach. But 
I don't know how. Um, you know, he managed to get his client off, mm-hmm. acquitted, not mm-hmm. just lesson sentence, uh, yeah. a lesson sentence, wow. but acquitted mm-hmm. of all charges. So I'm really interested to, you know, take a deep dive into his case and find out how he did it. Yeah. Okay, excellent. So that's coming up after the 3 p.m. news. But just speaking of um, be, um, you know, shows on Bigger Picture, here's another plug for our he- uh, health and living show tomorrow. Uh, we'll be speaking to senior consultant hematologist, Professor Dr. Gan Gin Gin, mm. about multiple myeloma. So that's actually a blood cancer that arises from the plasma cells in the bone marrow. And if you've been diagnosed with this condition, you probably have a lot of questions about managing it. You know, like how will it affect your body, mm. your blood cells? You know, what are the symptoms? Can it be cured? So so we're going to help you get those answers from um, Professor Gunn uh, and he will share more um, and Professor will share more about the disease mm. and treatment advances for multiple myeloma. So that's happening tomorrow at 4pm on our Health and Living segment. But that's it for us for today. Uh, stay tuned. This has been the Daily Digest on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.